My name's Emily and I'm an osteopath and healthcare enthusiast working in the Midlands. I spend every week helping my patients reduce their aches and pains, move their bodies more and live the healthiest life possible. And now I want you to join the conversation. In this podcast, I'll be investigating the people and places around the Midlands that are on the same mission and ask them to share their knowledge to transform your health. There's no subject that's off topic. Nutrition, mental health, sleep and fitness, it's all here. This is the Healthy Midlands podcast. So I am absolutely thrilled to have Chappers, Jordan Chapman, in the kitchen of our Litchfield Clinic this afternoon to talk about superfoods. Jordan is a sports scientist and nutritionist who's worked with the Premier League and Litchfield City Academy in the past and he's here today to bust some myths about superfoods. Hello Jordan. Hi guys, how are we doing? Good, thank you so much for coming in this afternoon. So we're going to talk about superfoods today. Um, They are kind of badly understood by most people and when I was doing some research into superfoods to start the podcast today I found some really conflicting information on the internet and I think that's why it's going to be such a compelling episode to listen to. Um, One quote that I found was from the chief dietitian at St George's Hospital in London Catherine Collins who said that there are so many wrong ideas about superfoods that she doesn't even know where best to begin to dismantle the whole concept and I was hoping that you might be able to start that conversation for us today, Jordan. Yeah, so superfoods, as we've said, have probably been around for uh, quite a while now. Um, we've got different examples like berries, um, frozen fruit became a big thing, getting the berries in, kale, avocados, and various other foods. Um, generally, I think the term superfood is a marketing ploy. Um, you'll have big research companies, maybe other big companies funding research. Um, to kind of support their product potentially. So we've got an example with uh, nitrate and beetroot um, and a big company called Beat It funded all of their research, which then essentially boosted a lot of their sales. Um, so I think, yeah, the term superfood, um, it, you've got to be wary of the term superfood because it, it's most likely not super. Yeah, so that sounds like there's so much to dive into there. You've laid an amazing breadcrumb trail of all of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode. So I think the definition of superfood, there is no definition really, is there? I don't think there is, no. I mean, if you lay it out super, obviously something something really good, something amazing, and a food, something that we eat. Um, and to the general public or even me, when you say superfood, I'm thinking, yeah, that, I, I need some of that. That's, yeah, I'll be having some of that. That sounds good to me. Yeah. So when I had a little look online, it kind of said that while there is no official definition, it tends to correlate to the nutritional density of a food and specifically for things like micronutrients, vitamins, minerals and antioxidants. I wondered if we could just dive into that a little minute. So how much of these things do we need um in terms of a food with antioxidants or vitamins and minerals we're going to need it in a balanced format so obviously we have our carbohydrates our protein our fluids our fruit and our vegetables provide us with vitamins and minerals along with other foods and we're going to need them in a balanced format having too much of them is like anything have too many bananas it's bad for you how much too much chocolate it's bad for you um we need it in a balanced format so if there's a if there's a food that's just deemed a superfood, 
that doesn't mean you go out and you have that every single day and you don't have that for every single meal. Yeah, and I think that's like something that I've definitely seen with people with avocados. Um, I know that I had a chat with a nutritionist called Sarah Smith a couple of weeks ago on the podcast and um, she like me in fact I keep bringing this up but like Slimming World please don't sue me again um we were talking about uh kind of the Slimming World system and the way that they've set up avocado as like a bad food on that because of the high fat content in it um but it has got quite a lot of vitamins and minerals that we could do within our diet um so it's that kind of like conflict of choosing foods in your diet to eat at a particular frequency I kind of feel like avocado has been overdone yeah I think it has um it's got a good source of fat in it but just because it's got a good source of fat in it doesn't mean you have it every single day because it's fat at the end of the day and that is going to negatively affect you whether that's um in your calorie intake in causing increasing fat or in any other format um so yeah, I think people t- hear the term and they, they run with it. They yeah. stick with it. And that's where you've seen then kind of uh, kind of almost obsessive behavior on certain foods. You were saying just before we started recording something really interesting about leafy vegetables like kale and cabbage. Yeah, so I think I was probably uh, not a victim. I fell into the trap um, probably like three, four, maybe five years ago. Kale was a big thing. I seen it on TV programs. Uh, seen it in the newspapers, seen it on the news. Um, and it was saying kale is really good for you. It's high in vitamin A, antioxidants and fiber. And I I mean, it's not, if you've had it, if you don't cook it well enough, it's not very nice. But um, I still <laughs> I still had it because it was termed to be this thing. It's all right if you fry it up with bacon. <laughs> yeah, there we go, there we go. Um, but then since that time I've went to uni, I did a bit, I've learned a lot more. I've looked at research and yeah, kale is high in those different factors, so vitamin A, antioxidant, fiber, but other leafy veg such as like collard greens, cabbage, uh, broccoli also have those three main things. But because kale got such a big kind of marketing backing, it became the thing to get. You saw, more, I still know people that eat kale. I mean, it, it's not that nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think marketing, the way they market things, the way the, the research is funding to back it, it all it all works with certain companies kind of yeah and food is big business isn't it so if we can be convinced when we're in the supermarket that one vegetable is of more benefit to us than another then that's the vegetable that we're going to choose I mean everybody is on the you know sort of march for eternal youth and health and we don't want to uh, encounter disease and I think that superfoods in particular you know there's been a lot of press around superfoods antioxidants and avoiding diseases like cancer heart disease and those kind of things I think really play into people's psychology and their emotions and particularly fear I mean nobody wants to be diagnosed with cancer and if you think that eating kale every week as part of your weekly food shop and having it religiously is going to prevent that well it doesn't seem like too high a price to pay for not having a cancer diagnosis in the future but it doesn't really work that way no it's like so when you say in antioxidants and limiting inflammation um berries um massive for massively well they are high in antioxidants and having antioxidants like we said earlier um is is, can help reduce free radicals in the body so limit inflammation so it can reduce your risk of diseases um 
there there are some there is some research out there that says you should have antioxidants um i.e berries after a gym session because a gym session causes inflammation in the body and if you looked at it on paper causing inflammation in the body is bad for the body Mm. so people would then have lots of berries after the training but then the other issue with research is that it's always conflicting you'll find other research which will say um that limiting inflammation post training session will reduce your um your progression your adaptation to that training so Another issue I think with um, kind of social science and food science is that it's conflicting. Um, the the research samples, the people they get involved, the way the methods are done, they're not always as rigid as they could be. So therefore there's always gonna be slight deviations in their conclusion, which is why it's conflicting and hard for the general public to understand. Yeah, absolutely. And different foods will behave differently in different people's bodies as well. So when you're conducting research, you're going to have a group of individuals who will all respond to whatever research yep. diet that they're kind of yep. proposing. They'll respond to it differently. And it's yep. kind of look of the draw who's in that sample and what their 100%. gut is like, what their body's like, how they process that food, and ultimately kind of what their... Um, positive or negative response to that food is going to be so if it can be so varied in research how do particular foods end up with this kind of connotation of being super yeah i think the best way to try and describe it is if if i picked a food um let's say just go with asparagus and i picked um i don't know 30 people to try and replicate or reflect the general population so I picked a random sample, 30 people, and I told them we're all going to have asparagus. We're going to add it into our diet. What you're going to do is you're going to stick to your normal diet. Mm. So before the research study, generally, they'd assess their diet to see what they're eating. And they'd say stick to the same thing because paying for everyone to have the same food will cost a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so they stick to their food, but we increase the asparagus. Now, if we've got half of that population, 15 people that don't have a balanced diet, they don't have fruit and veg. So all of a sudden they're having asparagus. So we're getting vitamins, we're getting minerals, we're getting antioxidants in the body. So straight away, we're going to have improvements. Straight away, we're going to have um, positive results. So sometimes the methodology of research, it, it's not as robust as it could be and therefore can lead to, it's not false data. But like skewed it's results. skewed. And sometimes that is linked to the funder of the research. Okay, so... Mm, might not be quite so straightforward as it first appears you've kind of touched on this beetroot thing at the start tell me more so um beetroot is a is a a widely known thing for elite athletes uh less so general population elite um triathletes cyclists runners footballers even there is study uh studies sorry which show that it has a high concentration of nitrate So nitrate in the body increases vasodilation, so relaxing of the blood vessels, and therefore increased oxygen uptake, and therefore increased oxygen efficiency. So if I take nitrate and and I'm going for a run, I'm more likely to perform better. And there is research that that backs this up, generally over um, moderate to long um, distance or long timing kind of activities. So kind of like, let's say you're a footballer, you're in the last third of the game, 
and you're starting to flag if you've had beetroot for your lunch potentially yeah um <laughs> could what, be the difference but it could potentially it could be um the research on it in football is less um kind of uh positive well as kind of what's the word as statistically significant yeah we'll go with that like there's not as many <laughs> studies that back it up it's kind of uh, there's different contrasting results within football so intermittent activity but activity that's continuous, it's a lot more supportive. Um, so they, there's a company called Beat It, and they sell beetroot in shots, and it comes um, in different measurements, and it, it doesn't taste very nice, but <laughs> the the improvements in your performance can be, well, uh, not not life-changing. It can, be, it can win you or lose you a race. Yeah. So beetroot high in nitrate also can decrease risk of heart attacks, um, but there are other foods, leafy green vegetables again, which are high in nitrate. Uh, so for general population, it, it, the point I'm trying to get to is if you have various fruit and vegetables, you're going to be getting the right amount of vitamins, minerals, um, antioxidants in the body to help redu reduce risk of inflammation, reduce risk of disease, and just help generally get you healthier. Yeah, so that link kind of between which foods get selected to have this reputation of being a superfood could have more to do with which foods big food companies want us to consume more of. Yeah. Um, so that company beat it. Um, if you were if you were interested to search uh, studies on beetroot and nitrate, if you were look at look towards the end of the research, um, it's funded by a well, not all of it. Uh, majority is funded by a company called Beat It. Yeah. So. I won't say too much, but if a company's funding something... They'll be after you like Slimming yeah, World is after me. If they're funding something, <laughs> it, the people doing the research are going to Potent potentially mm. try and make sure that we have positive results. But and I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, That's but it, it seems almost a little bit suspicious. Yeah, and mm. obviously uh, kind of producing research into mainstream costs money. Uh actually doing the research itself so the methods the equipment it costs money so big companies generally pay for it and if a company's paying for you to do research you're gonna be more inclined to make it make it work yes absolutely so we've kind of covered a few bases here and we've talked about what kind of foods constitute as superfoods why it might not first kind of be as it first appears what would your kind of recommendations be if somebody's starting to look at their diet and they're thinking, where can I add in? Where can I make my diet healthier? Not necessarily by taking anything away, um, but what would your kind of like first point of calls be when you're doing a nutritional coaching session with someone for the first time? Uh, first of all, I would always say food first. Um, you don't go towards a supplement that's last resort. We're going to go food first. Um, after looking at someone's diet or talking through a diet with someone, um, it would then try to be filling the gaps. What are we missing? But once we've identified what we're missing, it's not about chucking everything in. It's about baby steps, taking it easy, making sure we understand why we need this certain, this certain food. So if we're lacking, um, I don't know, food with vitamin A, C and E, we need to understand why. Um, then we're going to try and work out where can we get that from. And then gradually we might increase that week, day, uh, week by week. Once we've got that, we'll then move on to the next thing. Um, 
I think the main thing when people are trying to change diet is that you've had your diet generally, your, your general diet for most of your life, for your adult life. And changing that is, is difficult. It's a habit which is you don't even think about. So changing a habit, you need to understand the root of it. So why don't you want to change? Is it because you don't have the capability? Is it the opportunity? Or is it the motivation? So we get to that, we get to what we need to improve, and then we do baby steps together. I mean, it sounds a lot more complicated than just changing your shopping list. <laughs> I mean, generally, if people, I've got friends that do it. So you'll have a, a heavy weekend and you're like, right, I'm going to go diet from this week for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just, they generally change their diet completely. And they're like, right, new shopping list, salmon, uh, asparagus, rice. They've never had that before, but they're going through it. You change things so quickly and so drastically, you're never going to stick to it. It's like if you go to the gym and you do a brand new workout session you've never done before and it kills you the next day, you're not going to go back to it again. No, next week is uh, next week will not look the same. <laughs> yeah. And it certainly won't look any better. No. So you're going for slow, sustainable changes, yep. bit by bit by bit. And yep. it sounds like there's actually quite a lot of psychology in there as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, so my master's research paper was looking at changing a boxer's behavior with them making weight. And this boxer had a few, had had quite a few fights and his coach had been doing it, getting him to make weight in a, an unethical or unsafe way. So I was trying to change that behavior, but to do that, I had to get him to why he was doing that. So was it his capability? Did he have the capability? Um, so physical, psychological capability. Was it the opportunity wasn't there? So social or physical and the motivation was it, did he have that motivation to change? And depending on what that was, we could then delve into how we could change it. So it is quite complex. So if you want to change something for good, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I think, like you were saying, habits form slowly and breaking habits has to be yeah. the same way, doesn't yeah. it? You can't do it overnight. And the the other big thing I think with diet is that everyone wants a quick fix. Um, I think I've seen something in the news. Well, my friend sent it to me. It was in America. It's um, a magnetic weight loss device that uh, locks, you, uh, locks your jaw almost shut. Curate. I saw this. Yeah, it's created to like fight global obesity. Yeah, and it like clamps around yeah. uh, one of your top molars yeah. and one of your back, like bottom molars. So you can still drink. It's, I, I, it lets you open it a little bit, but you can't get food in. Oh my God. And people are thinking, oh yeah, that's something eating. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff, isn't there? Yeah. There's uh, gastric balloons now where they're temporary. You have them down your gullet into your stomach mm. and then they pump them up with saline and they kind of last oh, for wow. like 12 weeks before they burst. Yeah. So that they, in theory, curb your appetite and make you feel full for... Yeah. Um, uh, you can't really fit an awful lot of food in. Yeah, I think one of the main problems, I think this is a bit um, generalised, but from people I've worked with and people I know, the biggest problem for changing someone's diet is motivation. It's, you might have it for a little bit, mm. but it doesn't last and therefore you're looking for a quick fix. You want it to change, you're motivated for it to change, but you're not motivated enough to change your lifestyle. Yeah. So that's the issue. 
I think as well, everybody's attention span is just getting shorter and shorter, isn't yeah. it? It's um, yeah. I read a really good book the one time. I can't remember who it's by, but it's called The Shallows. And it was written by an academic who I think was in his 60s. And he had written about, you know, when he was at university himself as a young man, um, he would go to the library, he would research papers, he would read endlessly to find out the information that he needed to know for whatever assignment he'd been given. Um and then by the time he was working, computers were starting to come in. And now he walks around with a computer in his yeah. pocket, in his phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said that he had sat down to try and read a book or something. And um, he just couldn't get through it. He couldn't read the book. Yeah. He couldn't finish a page. He couldn't finish a chapter. And he realized it was because his attention span was now so poor that he could be sat at home in the evening with the telly on but also scrolling on his phone at the same time because the (laughs) TV wasn't giving him enough quick fire mental stimulation. He was like, what has become of like my mental stamina? And so he started to research it all. And I think even in terms of social media, which I know you uh, kind of communicate with your clients more on Instagram than anything, um, you know, you're looking at, now Instagram posts no one's writing a caption underneath yeah. because nobody reads it yeah. um, you're looking at kind of reels instead yeah. of posts and they're like 20 seconds long yeah. and people are just like endlessly consuming yeah. scrolling 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 and I think that that expectation because our lives have moved to this really quick pace if you kind of look and you think okay well I'm going to try and lose one pound of body fat a week and I have two stone to shift mm. this is going to take you the best part of uh, half a year if not yep. longer yep. um it's a time period that a lot of people aren't willing to put in i think yeah you name on the head really like our our society now is kind of built up for like instant gratification so instagram all the apps it's hitting your um your heart is it your endorphins yeah it's like, like dopamine yeah is it Ser- i think it's dopamine or serotonin yeah um so straight away we're getting that good hit and it's like yes um so yeah a four-week diet plan that that takes effort yeah which nowadays generally people don't have unless they really want it um so yeah i just think that's the way society's going which is sad um and obviously like you said instagram it's you're seeing people on instagram which is a different topic in altogether yeah we're kind uh, of transcended here (laughs) that's unachievable uh body kind of types or body or figures and it's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not going to bother. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it is that really, isn't it? It's that you're looking at something completely unattainable and you have got not the kind of, well, firstly, it's physically impossible to mm. look like Kim Kardashian yep. without um, the, help, the help of a very good surgeon. Maybe yep. they'll be after us now as well. <laughs> I feel like this podcast has just turned into like a litigation piece. Um <laughs> Yeah, and then the the kind of Amazon Prime mentality where we want it and we want it yesterday. Um, But I think kind of to just loop it all together for the end of the podcast, superfoods, okay, we don't really, uh, we're not going to honour the word superfood with too much weight because we kind of know now that it doesn't really constitute an awful lot. We're just looking for foods that are going to, give your body the nutrients that it needs we do want fruits and veggies because we want those high nutritional value foods in your diet but those 
improvements in diet are a slow burn aren't they yep. so you've got to eat that way for quite a long time 100%. to reap the benefits yeah of the food 100 the main thing i would say is that there's no quick fix for diet um or even training for that matter um if something sounds like it's going to fix you straight away um it's probably not going to um the only things that we really need to be healthy um is a balanced diet so carbohydrates protein fat vitamins minerals fruit veg hydration so fluids uh we're going to need sunlight if you don't if you live in a country with rarely any sunlight you might need a supplement of vitamin d um and regular exercise and if you have all that i don't think you're really going to need any supplements or anything Mm -mm. like that at all boom there it is yeah well thank you so much for joining me today chappers this has been an excellent episode and there's so much value here for listeners if you want to find out more you can find jordan chapman on instagram he's going by the handle at daily underscore energy underscore underscore but you'll know him because he'll be um named chappers at the top of the page (laughs) thank you so much chappers cheers no worries thank you Thanks for listening to the Healthy Midlands podcast. Make sure to hit the follow button so that you can be the first to know when the next episode is up. Leave a review or share this podcast with a friend if you found it useful. And for more, come and find us on Instagram at Healthy Midlands.